Oh, welcome to our show. Oh, welcome to our show. It's gonna be a hoot. Ryan's got not much to say because he's back from quiet camp. <laughs> oh, welcome to our show. He's a bag of corduroy. This is getting complex. Can't you hear it as being like around? Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. We'll work Should on that. Around. <laughs> Except the words are just coming spontaneously out of your brain, so it would be hard for me to follow. <laughs> you just repeat, give it a pause. Um, welcome to Unrolled. Uh, this is, this is episode number 58 and, um, it is being recorded the day after a blizzard in Boston. It's also being recorded on the heels of Ryan returning from, um, a retreat, which he's going to talk about, um, in detail. But I just, you know, if you're new to Unrolled, uh, this should be. This should be a particularly pregnant pause-filled adventure, and I will do my best to wrangle the vacant stare and 3,000-mile formless facial expression that happens when Ryan comes back from one of his little Svadhyaya adventures. Uh, but here we are. And I just had the most magnificent croissant, and you're welcome that you don't have to hear me chew it. <laughs> I'm sure there are people that are actually really disappointed. No, there's there's some freaks out there that are that are into it. Um, but can we talk just for a moment about? Okay, so I worked for years as a barista, and so that gives me license, I believe, uh, for every year that you support yourself. I'm not talking about a part time coffee shop job. That doesn't count. For every year that you're a full time barista. That means you get to, like, for 10 years after each year, you get to, like, know shit and not take shit about your coffee orders. So I've got, like, God, I, it's, like, somewhere between three or six. I blacked out. There was a lot of drinking happening. But I was there for a while, full time, in the coffee serving industry. And there's nothing that pisses me off more than ordering a freaking decaf and getting regular. And, like, I remember when clients would accuse me of it, and I'd be like, settle the fuck down. Calm down. It's regular. I mean, it's decaf, but you see what I mean? Like, like the doubt. And it becomes, like, this existential question of, like, are you going someplace that might potentially poison you? Because if you have caffeine and you're expecting decaf, your heart will pound through your, your throat like an insistent fist. And um, Which is why I'm having caffeine, so that the pauses can be... Abbreviated. Anyways, I you know I I'm an email sender. Like when I am unhappy with or displeased, I'll I'll send a friendly email. I'm not like a miserable bitch writing email machine. Bitch writing email <laughs> machine. Let's deconstruct that. But no, I, like I'll just send like a, especially if it's a corporation, I'll send like a hey blah 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 blah. Um. But I don't usually do it with small places. I don't really know how to tidy up this story, but for those of you out there that have been, that ever get, take this piece of advice from me. If you ever get a drink and you spent like too much money, you're like embarrassed about the drink you ordered and something was wrong with it and it's a big corporation, send an email. They will send you a gift card back. They will credit your account and that, you know, $3.75 to $11 that you spent on it. <laughs> goes right back into your pocket and the company can afford it 
I'm not talking about mom and pop shops. I'm talking about corporations. And emails are so easy to send. And you can do it in a loving yogic way. Let me know if you've had any luck. Send us an email at unrolledpod. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, you know what? I'm working on a, on a collection of poetry and each sort of chapter each switch of thought is going to be punctuated with a letter I've written <laughs> to a company about being dissatisfied with something. I know, I'm going to die alone. That's all right. I like this. This is a good plan. Please. You don't send emails, do you? I try not to. You let it go. I try. No, just generally, I try not to send emails. <laughs> I really do. I I should have I had a there's an email waiting in my draft box like the weekly email to the teachers and I don't know why I just haven't sent it yet. <laughs> Didn't occur to me till now that I spent like twenty minutes writing it and just it's like oh, you can send that now. You just let it sit. And it'll be irrelevant in like ten minutes. So <laughs> hit send. Where are you going? She's on the clock, Oops. ladies and gentlemen. I'm fix that. Um, okay, so before we go down the rabbit hole, how are you feeling upon return? Um, good. <laughs> <laughs> Contrast is interesting um, because you don't necessarily, or at least I don't necessarily, when I go on retreat, have a sense of the slowdown. Like when you're in the midst of it, because like, you know, the day may be going by and you know everything's very structured um on purpose uh and but you could still be sitting on the cushion and the your mind can seem to be going as fast if not faster than normal all right Um, back up you gotta you gotta back way up where did you go (laughs) what was it called where was it and just as a reminder, this was something that you were having some second guesses about going to. Yeah. Okay. Begin there, Ryan. Um, so I, when I worked at Back Bay, I, um, I would usually go up to Karma Trolling, which is the center up in, um, Vermont, a town called Barnett, um, which is close to St. Johnsbury, which people may not have ever. Is that really north? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would go like once a year for a program. Sometimes it was a weekend, sometimes it was a week, sometimes it was two weeks. The last program I did there was two weeks. Uh, back in 2015, around the same time, actually, 
and because of you know the right later in 2015 back bay got sold and then i took over bow street i just i didn't make time to go up there and so i think i was nervous to go up there because um I didn't really want to see what was lurking under the surface. <laughs> um, but also, I didn't... Um, like, these things are never easy. Like, I feel like everybody has some kind of, like, right before they go, like, anxiety. Like, ah, I shouldn't, you know this other thing is happening that's more important than me going on retreat or something like that. Um, in my case, like, I can't leave the studio alone for a week. Um, and the funny thing is, is that I actually didn't think about the studio at all. Like, I mean, I ended up texting Ryan Hill, like, Thursday uh, of the retreat just to say that, like, hey, can you teach my Saturday morning class? Because that's just not realistic that I'm going <laughs> to actually teach that class. Um, but that was the only... Um, that was the only thing that, studio-wise, that was really on my, on my radar all week. Um... And it, you know, it's, it's, and everybody has different experiences of, of going on retreat, but the, the thing that I always find interesting about going up to Karma Trolling or really doing anything through Shambhala as opposed to IMS, Insight Meditation Center, which I feel like more of our listeners would be. Inside meditation with, center. Where, that's where they do the like ten day, seven ten day mm-hmm. vipassana retreats that are like totally silent the whole time. Um, is that you know while there are times in which there is silence on these retreats, there's also times where it's not silent and you're meant to be social. And I actually find that to be some of the most challenging, um, challenging in a good way. Um, parts of retreat is like despite being in the midst of your shit on the cushion you still gotta engage with these other people okay so talk to me about time breakdown so we would start at seven and how does everyone wake please tell me that there's like there's a conch that's blown yeah there is at 6 30 in the morning (laughs) And everyone's close enough they can hear it? To varying degrees of success, by the way. (laughs) Like, (laughs) the poor, like, if, you know, because it's it's not necessarily that there's, like, a person assigned to it. It's just, like, someone's deaf goes and blows the conch at uh, 6.30. So sometimes the person who has to do it is, like, not actually skilled at... (laughs) Conch blowing. (laughs) Conch blowing. (laughs) So here's my question. At 6.30... You know you have a half hour before you mm-hmm. have to get to where? To the main shrine room. And no food at that point? 
No. No. I mean, you can go get coffee. But, so I usually got up around six. Um, and, you know, went to the dining room and had some coffee and then um, looked at the schedule for the day. And then made my way to the shrine room. Um, silent coffee time? Or yeah, it's people... usually it's, it's silence. At the very least, there's silence before lunch. Okay. Um, when, a, when a program's going on. Not all programs, but most programs. Um, so we get up. Seven o'clock in the shrine room. Opening chance. Uh, then... Um, um uh we sit for about probably like 20 minutes and then there's qigong um depending on the program the one of the directors is a qigong practitioner and teacher so there was qigong in the morning um and then we had breakfast in the shrine room um and then a uh, little bit of a break, then nine to twelve thirty, lunch in the shrine room, uh, one thirty to three. Uh, there's a break. Um, some people have uh, like work duty during that time. Like everyone has a um, some job that they do on some interval while you're there. Um, so it might be doing the dishes, it might be... Um, for everybody? For everybody, yeah. What was yours? Um, I had to uh, take um, like snacks and water up to the staff room for the directors and the MIs when they had their meeting in that one thirty to 2. So I just took it up and then ran off to my room and practiced asana and then came back and tidied it up before going back into the shrine room at 3. And then... Three to four thirty. Can people pay extra to not have to do that? No. Isn't that nice? Three to four thirty. Um, sit. Uh, four thirty is tea. Half an hour for tea. Wait, wait. Three thirty to four thirty. is... Three to four thirty. And what was the other sit time? The nine to twelve thirty. Oh. Ah, okay. Um, so your Olympic stretch is in the morning. Yes. Um, and then there's tea time at 4.30, and then there's usually, like, 5.30 to, or 5 to 6.30, uh, sitting, um, and then, uh, dinner from 6.30 to whenever, half an hour break, and then from 7.30 or whenever the, whatever the schedule has evolved to (laughs) at that point, um, 7.30 to 9, sitting, and there's talks scattered in... So, but it's not necessarily, the talk is not necessarily at the same time each day. So in, in one, usually in one of those afternoon sessions or sometimes first thing in the morning, there's a talk. How many people are there? I think there were like 50 something. I think. Might be fewer than that. And those kind of programs are just constantly running there? No, it's some, so there, there are programs like this program was geared mainly towards practice there are other programs that are geared more towards like um teachings where you're you're it was more of a not that there weren't teachings given on this but more of a like a curriculum of teachings that gets covered over over time um 
And uh, Vermont is such a f- wonderful place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I have to say, the food is amazing. Like, really, really amazing. Um, I eat so well there. Why um, is it so amazing? It's farm to table, it, local. It well, a lot of it is very local, and in the summer they have a garden that most of the veggies come come out of, um, and uh, the uh, I don't know. It's just I think some of it is the expectation. Like even like Kripalu is good, but they're cooking on like such a mass level. Like mm-hmm. this is I don't know. It, I'm always like. I think it might be more of an expectations game that I feel I'm going on a meditation retreat. I'm not going to have like, no, but it's really, really, it's really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's really good. So people, I assume there's some interesting cultural things that are expected of you there. Like you're not walking around with your phone. Um, you know, they, they try to, as best they can, this is executed with varying degrees of success, um, not, a, you know, there are rules that you have to have to sort of maintain the container for practice, mm-hmm. um, but they try to not just give people a list of rules to follow, but, like, there is generally the rule of, like, if you're if you're using like your iPad to read or study, like that's fine. Um, but if you're using like a communication device, that you just have to do it in the dining room, and then everywhere else is kind of off off limits. Like you could get service anywhere too. Like the you know the dining room is like the only place where the Wi-Fi works and. There's no possible way you could get service except for, like, one tiny spot in the parking lot. But it's freezing, so no one, yeah. you know. What about recreation? Do people... What, how are people tended to physically? Um, so it's not straight sitting all the way through. It's 20 to 30 minutes of sitting, 10 minutes of walking back and forth. And then sometimes there's a little yoga sequence that is led. Um, and how is that bit? Um, you just gotta let that one go. Who is the top by? It wasn't top by anybody. It's just the person kind of gets up in front of the room and does it and everyone follows along as best they can. Wow, that's fucking weird. Yeah, you just gotta let... It's one of those things where, like, you, you have to... I mean, you can't... I can't turn off my, like... No. My teaching mind completely, but I had to just be like... So you could be really annoyed every time this happens, which is gonna be, like, a couple times a day. Or, it was that often? Like, two or three times a day. And it was the day. same person every time? No, different people each time. Um, or you could just do these forms in the way that you know that they'll be helpful for you. And not be a teacher. Like, you are here so that you don't have to be a teacher right now. So, just, like... Stop. Stop. Because that, you know, and and I I was telling my 
um, my meditation teacher was one of the directors of the, of the program. Um, and I was talking to him yesterday and, uh, I had this really funny thing with the, with all of the forms, you know, the, I mean, the Tibetanness of everything and the, and the, um, the, uh, um, The, the way that we did dinner in the shrine room and, or meals in general in the shrine room and the yoga and the, you know, all of that. Um, I spent like the first two days just like being like really critical in my head about like analyzing all the ways in which this is not whatever. And then I was like, oh, that's cute. You're just gonna complain about the container that you already know about and have engaged with. Like, seven, eight, nine times at this point, instead of actually like looking at the fact that like feeling what you're feeling, like instead of actually engaging with what I'm feeling in the moment, I'm just going to be critical of everything around me. And okay, no, back up. This is interesting to me. Not saying that they shouldn't, it shouldn't be criticized. But for the container of that week, if my intention is to go there and practice meditation, then, and I know full well what I'm getting myself into, and I appreciate the parts of it that I appreciate, and I have many thoughts and feelings about the other parts of it, I already have those, like, that I... I, that that's those are all fine thoughts to have but the the uh intention of the retreat was not for me to go and like pick apart this place and its traditions it was for me to go and sit with myself at a place where i actually you know despite some of my criticisms i actually do feel safe to dive in and it's a place where you you know you talked the other week about um maybe you did i can't remember now about uh like new studios feeling kind of stale um this is not a stale place this is a place where a lot of people have practiced and practiced a lot like it is a well-seasoned (laughs) yeah yeah um and uh so to really just kind of you know not let it distract you the shit you already know yeah and the stuff that you know is not is not necessarily gonna change and is not really my job to change it um I struggle with that one. It goes back to the email sending. Yeah. You know, like... No, and I... I there were certain... You know... Can you send an email afterwards? I mean... thoughts? I... I mean... Every... The thing is, is that everybody is... Like, all, all of the teachers are already quite aware of, of the critiques and the... But it's just like... Well, um, I don't And there are things it. that constantly change. It's just... It's a slow-moving... 
it's an organization it's a community it's a you know there are people who have been there since the 70s and they don't necessarily want things to change and you know like it's keep your sacks on yeah like you know it there's it it's not it's not like a snap to get everything um So yeah. So anyways, but that's not what I was there for. Is the point? Is I and I had like a real, uh, I I think I kind of, I may have laughed audibly out loud during one session when I discovered that like that's what I was doing. I was like, you're just being critical so that you don't have to pay attention to what the fuck's going on in your own fucking body right now. Um, but because that might be easier. Oh, it's far of, easy to be yeah. critical of. Because <laughs> you're real good at it. It comes. Yeah. yeah. And it's not to say that the criticism isn't true. Valid. Or that to think about why that or to ask about why something is a certain way isn't a valid thing to do. It's just I decided that that was, that was not my purpose in going. And I know people that I can ask that question to outside of the container of me wanting like intensive practice right Mm -hmm. like so that's what i did i just whenever there was like a question i just wrote it down and then on monday when i was talking with ethan i just had like a whole list of questions and i just like rattled all that off so i (laughs) you know um so yeah so we're looking at three four about five hours of meditation a day on average Mm -hmm. Um, which honestly, the way you describe it feels more digestible to, and also the disruption feels like there's value to that too. They you know, no option. Versus like yeah. just two extended periods yeah, yeah. interrupted by just meals and silence. There's something about this that forces you to become more adept at transitioning. Yeah. In and out of that space. Yeah. I could see that being... Of use. So are people like having meltdowns? Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't ask obviously for specific details on people, um, but is it a place where you see people going through? Yeah. I mean, stuff? everybody, you, you can feel people kind of going through their, their stuff and it kind of happens in like waves around the, around the room. Um, how can you tell? I don't know. It's just, you, you can just kind of. It's like the Matrix you when you feel, see a little glitch in the corner. You, no, you, you kind of, you just get a sense for it and you notice when people kind of step out of the room for a little while. Um, uh, and everyone is just sort of, you know, and that's not discouraged by any means. Like if you need to go out and take a walk, you go out and take a walk. Because there's like 700 acres of land that's just beautiful. So if you're feeling like too claustrophobic in the room like you're always welcome to go and hike um or just go outside 700 acres Mm -hmm. what do they do with it it's just preserved there it's gorgeous there's retreat cabins on it like solitary have you done that i have not oh my god ryan Little cabins? Yes. With porta potties? Or do you dig I a don't hole? Know. 
I'm sure they must have. I want to go to a cabin in the woods. I mean, they're not glamorous no, cabins. No, I, I didn't think they would be. <laughs> I thought they would be very um, thorough. It's like a tiny little thing yeah. with a cot and a plug for your vibrator. What else do you need? <laughs> a hot pot, I assume? Some sort a of quilt? wood stove. A wood stove, yes. Um, but yeah, it, it, But the the thing that is is interesting is the is the contrast coming back, is just feeling the pace of things and and also just realizing the the moments when you when I get my like there's been a lot of moments where I notice like my body sort of like on guard. And I'm like, you know, there's literally nothing that you need to be protective about right now. Like, there's there's literally not. Like, I was just sitting at my computer just typing out some tasks for my assistant to do. And I found myself, like, I was like, right. You know, there's, like, there's literally nothing that's going to happen to you in, in this moment, right? now other than you <laughs> typing like you can just be okay <laughs> it's, it's okay drop it um or um yeah I, I, or just noticing like There's like like yesterday in class, like I maybe got through like twenty five percent of what I had planned to get through at seven o'clock, and the class ends at seven fifteen. And I was like, never in the class was like when I, I sort of laughed about it. I was like, oh, uh, so we were gonna do all this other stuff. <laughs> so that's that's homework. You can go do that on your own. And it was just sort of like laughed and was like we don't like they were just clearly content with what we had done and like happy to wind down and not do anything else um so like that spaciousness is is always interesting to play in and and then also to feel like when i was sitting this morning i was like really anxious about the day um but like in in this interesting way of like it, it wasn't um it wasn't like the effect of all that practice had really gone away it was just like oh i'm having this overlay of anxiety right now okay That's very interesting, but I don't, I'm literally just sitting here on the cushion right now. Like I don't need to, I don't really need to, um, do anything other than just acknowledge the fact that I'm anxious and have a lot of stuff to do today.
Um, and so, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm still very much processing everything. Um, uh, Did you make new friends? Uh, sure. I'm just I trying to get a sense of the amount of time that you can interact with people you don't know. Well, it, it sort of is a, it's an arc. Like, there's, there's time to socialize at the beginning, there's time to socialize and get to know each other a little bit um, during the talks, because there's often um, dyads. Uh, oh, where they put you with someone and yeah. chit-chat about what? Yeah. Um, which is really effective if for no other reason than, like, if you were to try and go around the room and have someone say something about, like, everybody say something about their experience that would take forever. Um... Uh, and, uh, and then there was like, there were a few moments of, um, uh, a few other moments throughout the week where there were, there was like time to socialize a little bit. Um, but what would you say the average, what's the average demographic? Uh, it was a pretty... I mean, it was this this retreat definitely skewed a little bit younger, I would say, than the ones that I had previously been on. Um, but not by much. I'd say it was probably mostly like 30s and, and 40s. Hmm. You know, about the gender split that you would expect. Slightly more chicks? Yeah. I wouldn't know for this, though. This is different than, like, a yoga. It, well, more... Definitely, I feel like in the meditation space, more guys than in the yoga space. Yeah. But, um... That might be a gross overgeneralization, but... Just uh, based on this. Just based yeah. on what my experience. Um, That's always been my takeaway. You know why it's been my takeaway? That... Uh, meditation practices draw men more is I think something happens in some school systems where um, existentialism and the kind of literature that starts to get shoved um, down your throat and I mean that in a loving yeah. way and the exciting stuff uh, is often male protagonist different i'm thinking about like yeah, yeah, yeah. zen and the art of motorcycle yeah. maintenance and jack kerouac and bukowski and i'm thinking about some of you know these entry points yeah. to different schools of thought and how over the top 1960s and yeah. 70s masculine is and but also how the invitation was so clear to young men yeah uh to come and experiment with yeah. with you know the life of the mind in that way um, so I know that like a lot of boys in childhood yeah. started getting interested in acid and, um, music and meditation to a lesser degree, but it was still kind of yeah. part of it. Um, and so it always felt skewed a little bit more dude. Mm -hmm. Huh. I never really thought about that. Yeah. 
I think it evens out over time, but I imagine that, I mean, there's got to be part of it where that's... Yeah. The first time I was exposed was, again, I think sixth grade, this really cool social studies teacher Mm -hmm. who, you know, was like world traveled and a little bit of a hippie and made us all sit on our desks and explained, Mm. you know, a really simple form of meditation. There was no... um, technique other than you know if you notice your mind mm-hmm. wandering you'd probably come back to thinking about your breath i think but it this was so long ago that yeah. i don't remember what the mechanism is that she gave us but i remember being like oh my god i'm tripping balls yeah when were you first exposed to meditation yeah um in any sort of formal way, it was actually the, like, first day of my first teacher training. Really? That surprises me. I mean, I'm sure that there were times before that in in um, an asana class where, you know, some form of meditation was taught. Um, but none that made any sort of impact because that that was the first time that I remember getting like no this is how you meditate meditate is <laughs> like actual instructions um and uh yeah so that was part of and it ended up being the the meditation as well as the sort of buddhist studies that I got from my first yoga teacher training is probably the more the thing that I took away from that first yoga teacher training than than how I I'm not saying that well that's what I took away from my first teacher training I did not necessarily um teach the asana the way that they taught me to teach asana um uh, and and from my friends who were in that training with me, they sort of remind me that I was there just asking annoying questions most of the time. So because I was a I was a guy, I was m- way more inflexible than I am now, uh, and uh, I um, just couldn't. You know, they would say stuff, and I was like, I I can't feel that. I can't do that. Good. Like, I don't think I was I was as uh, sharp as maybe you were in you your first perce- teacher training. You just perceive it as sharpness. <laughs> it's not fair. Um, Although I don't know, I bet you were a little angry bitch um, in your own way. I'm sure. Um, but that's interesting that you first so. There must have been more of that that was part of the curriculum. Yes. Um, There's always part of me that's like, it has no place there. Like, yeah. I'm super interested in it, but like, give it a fucking place of honor. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, what... I think it really is the 
for me, it is the foundation of my practice. Like, if we look at the sort of full range of practice, like, if I don't do anything, if I don't have time to practice on a given day, I will try to sit down on my cushion and, and meditate. And, um, and I feel sometimes, sometimes there's a, there's a sense of, um, I feel like even, I feel like I've seen articles by yoga teachers sort of, sort of not discounting, but, uh, you know, not so <laughs> get there <laughs> you know saying that they sat for all this time and and that it didn't really do anything for them really um like i feel like uh, i feel like jay talks about that a little bit from time to time um and i feel like yes if you're if you're sitting to the point where you're not like if you're engaged in practice in such a way that then you're not engaged with your life like that's a problem whether it's asana or meditation Mm -hmm. um but uh for me uh it's the if i can't feel myself what's happening in my the layers of my body what's happening with my emotions and my thoughts you know how i'm sensing and perceiving the world around me like if i then what's to me it's like what's the point of what's the point of doing asana because when i don't sit and i just dive into asana it's not like i'm automatically going to injure myself but i notice that i get aggressive with myself i i I feel the same way but i i don't consider like i start all of my home practices and now 90 percent of the classes that i teach with Uh, 15, you know, usually 15 or so minutes of restorative shapes wherein I'm checking in on the layers because if I don't do that, I dissociate or I just go, I go balls to the wall too hard, too fast, or I I never really check in and give myself what I perceive that I need. But, um, I don't know. Some people wouldn't consider that necessarily meditation. They'd consider that mindful, restorative. Sure, but you know, what it, it, it's using the same mechanism. It might not be a formal sitting practice, which is not what I'm advocating for everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and if I have no time during the day, if I can do nothing, if I can do that little bit, yeah, if I can do that thing where I lay down and get more comfortable, so that I can notice yeah. some shit. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. So, yeah, I, I guess I haven't. And, you know, I, I am a huge... See, the thing I notice is people talking about how important meditation is. We're not Teachers. even knowing what it is. Yeah, and I'm like... I don't mean to sound skeptical or shitty, but I'm going to be skeptical and shitty and be like, is that just a convenient meme? Yeah. Is that just like a convenient article for you to share? Or is that actually part of your practice? Yeah. I am, you know... I don't know. It's like, it's like sometimes teachers, I think, talk about things that they feel like they have to talk about because that's what yoga teachers talk about. Yeah. 
uh, such as like vegetarianism and veganism and um, a meditation and it's like this obligatory yeah thing that I wonder I, here's the thing I don't give a shit if you don't meditate like there's yeah, yeah, no yeah. points docked yeah. down like for me personally I don't I don't care yeah and if you do do it and love it that's great yeah. I think it's great when people do and love things but yeah I don't know So, how long was it total? Seven days? Yeah. And so you were able to practice on your own, and they do little non-spoken, guided, look at that chick at the front of the room doing some shit, maybe I'll do what she does. Yeah. Moments? Okay. I mean, it's the same sequence every time, so it's not like... What sequence is it? Um, just some standing poses. Who decided on that? Uh, the, supposedly the, uh, the Sakyan, who's, um, who's the leader of that particular tradition. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you could totally do those forms as a helpful thing to do between seated, but probably not full out like you would see the pictures in light on yoga like not so much like i don't really feel like putting my hand on the floor in triangle pose after i've been sitting that's what they were doing for you know ryan but i was able to you know if you know what you're doing you're able to take care and that's all i was there to do was take care of myself in that moment. And I noticed other people around the room being like, oh, I'm going to do that instead. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's, that's how I'm going to, how, how I'm going to engage with this form is I'm going to just do these forms very mildly. And, you know, if people start to make their own modifications. They start to make their own modifications. Because um, just it's not that the the forms chosen are it's just I wouldn't do it to that depth. Yeah. Right. Like to actually after sitting cross legged to actually stand and plant your feet in the ground and engage your leg muscles. Yes, I totally agree with that. That's really fucking useful, but not necessarily at a full lunge. You know what I mean? Like not not yeah. at the full length that which most people conceive of. It just presumes that everybody pose. has a yeah. practice too, and a there's no bit. oral cueing or helping. There, there's or... a little bit of it at the beginning, but it's not like any of the meditation instructors were necessarily yoga teachers or physical like movement teachers of any kind. So you know, there's you have like a really judgmental face about it, and I'm clearly like over it at this point. But... No, no, no. I just oh. No, it's and and it, it everybody agrees that it's not not perfect and. I guess it would be the equivalent of going to a, a yoga retreat and somebody teaches a shitty dick meditation <laughs> thing in between classes. Maybe you know. I don't know. I think more the interesting thing is is like. 
There is... I mean, certainly through the Austin practice, you can get a sense for like some of your patterns and habits physically, and you may be even able to get a sense of your patterns and habits on a mental and emotional level, but and certainly Austin provides like a fantastic way to relieve pain if you know what you're doing also has the ability to create pain <laughs> um but uh i don't To me, the, the, the message at the heart of the meditative practices is that, we're, like, fundamentally, ultimately, everybody, like, we're, we're okay. Like, everything's okay. And everything is workable. Doesn't mean everything's good, everything's happy. In fact, you might run up in seated meditation against some really challenging things. Um, and I don't, I feel like a lot of people still walk away from asana practice with this sense of like, they need to do more or they need to be able to be more flexible or they need to be able to you know, put their foot behind their head or they need to be able to do. And certainly more flexibility may indeed increase their, uh, the way that may make for um, a better life in many ways, actually, right? Like, if you can bend over and tie your shoe without back pain, like... That's, that's, it's, that's exciting. This is great. But... Um, you can get through three hours of your work day without searing pain. Yeah. You know, if you know some techniques to get yourself out of. Um, but I don't, I don't, and I've, I've tried a lot of different types of meditation and a lot of different types of movement and a lot of, and, uh, as far as like, being able to actually like work with yourself and like examine and feel we talk about like feeling them different parts of our body or muscular you know and all, and all of that's great and fine but actually being able to like Feel whatever emotion that it is that you're feeling and like be okay with that doesn't mean that there might not be an action that arises from from that feeling at some point 
Um, but, uh, that's really very powerful and I'm not sure you can get there. I can't get there via the asana practice alone. And it's also really like muddy waters and whether, and, and I appreciate that I have teachers who are more experienced <laughs> at sitting with themselves and, and coming up against their patterns and habits and, and, and ways that they are aggressive towards themselves and, um, and can provide guidance. Um, but I, I wouldn't want to, whereas I, I do think that I could sort of independently figure out the ways in which to move my body to relieve pain. And, you know, I do think there's a little bit more independence that can be achieved there. Um, uh, but, uh, there's, it can't just be about, can't just be about doing fucking Trikonasana. Like it just, it, it can't. It's not gonna. It, it might make you. And which is not but, to say that it's which is not to say that doing trikonasana could, you know, provide you insight into something. No. About yourself. So here's my slightly different take on it because, I believe that everybody has a different entry point to that thing that helps them uh, see with more clarity how how it is the feeling, um, and. I, I certainly think that the bulk of it really is, as you say, um, it's not the, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of it is, is I, I understand what you're saying with meditation. For me, my, my experience has been one that I wasn't able to access it through meditation. That was too much of a Oh, absolutely. Obstacle. So I found myself getting there over and over again through the yoga practice, but not necessarily the portion of class. I, if, if I look at the patterns of when I had moments where I was like, oh, that's what I'm feeling? Yeah. That terrifying, huge emotion, that's what I'm yeah. fucking feeling? And I wouldn't necessarily get there until the end of class. Yeah. You know, so it would be like, it wouldn't be like in the middle of... Um, a sun salutation, although I would sense it coming. It would be at the end when we quieted mm-hmm. down and it was like I had to comb through something physically. I had to get blood into corners of my body in a certain way before I felt strong and safe enough to access mm-hmm. the awareness that what I was actually feeling was, you know, a profound amount of loss or yeah. or what it, whatever it was, those big waves of emotion often came on as the result of working through the physical practice in a way that I hadn't and it's not that I don't think I could experience some of that through seated meditation I believe I could I just think it came a lot easier for me through the physical and 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 I'm not necessarily saying that like I'm actually not even necessarily saying that seated meditation 
or even meditation arising out of Tibetan Buddhism is the way for everybody, I think. But I do think if there's no... I don't find that most... The asana practice doesn't necessarily have a context in which we, or a good context in which we discuss emotions that arise, right? Where I, yeah, I think it's not part of the central dialogue. Yeah. I think there are teachers, there are outliers that yeah. are like Nicole Clark. Like yeah. There are some teachers that, that you know, are, are yeah. in meditation or in craniosacral or or, you know, there's yeah. a lot of forest yogis that dabble in that. And I'm not saying forest yoga is perfect, but I did a lot of forest yoga when I started practicing. And yeah. that, those were often the classes that that did have elements of that because it was demanding such insistent awakeness. Yeah. But it's but that's the thing is that I, I don't always feel that... Certainly there's there's a need for people to get into their body. And of course, that's what I uh, teach most of the time. Is <laughs> oh my God, the... you just sounded like Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> uh, life uh, finds a way. And, <laughs> and, but I, what, I am, what I am attempting to point to very poorly is that um, I feel... I don't know. I, 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 the, the asana practice only goes so far and it's not that I'm stopping my asana practice because I practiced asana every day that I was on retreat, but um, you know, you, and, and of course it's good to start with the body and understand how the bones and the joints and the, and the muscles and, uh, how your body uniquely moves and all of its idiosyncrasies. But at some point, uh, that level of awareness is going to force you to look at your, the way that you react to things, the way that you, uh, you know, things emotionally that you're still holding on to. Um, and these really deep, oftentimes like so very self-aggressive viewpoints you have about yourself. And I d don't think the yoga practice is really equipped in the way that, you know, someone who's mm. a skilled, uh, you know, Dharma practitioner, a psychotherapist, uh, um, friend, uh, like, at some point there has to there there is a, a transition to looking at different layers of things and it's not that the asana practice goes away and it's not that it, because i know many people who don't really engage in any sort of movement practice but dive really deeply into that and that's very interesting um and uh that creates a, a certain you know hierarchy of things but um uh 
it's actually sitting down or standing up or doing Parvrita Trikonasana and, and acknowledging fully how you are feeling in that moment is not an easy thing. Especially when, you know, and that's the, the benefit of retreat is when you have time to let the mind settle and you realize like, wow, you're really being fucking hard on yourself right now. Like, for no reason. And that's, that's hard to, that's hard to look at. And it's hard to find a space in which you could possibly feel safe to look at that. And I'm not saying that karma trolling by any means is a space where everybody would feel safe to do that. But it is a place because of it's the juice of and my experience with it and the teachers that I choose to go to programs with up there that, you know, it's it's uh, Kind of like it is something that I'm committed to engaging with because I recognize how deep those patterns are. And how hard it is to be like, actually like, yeah. On some fundamental, like, unconditioned level, like, let's, like, I'm okay. Which doesn't mean that you don't go out and protest and you don't go out and do, but you have to start there so that... I have to start there so that I can relate to you in a genuine way so that I can relate to. Because if you don't do that, you fall apart. Yeah. And sometimes that's where like, yeah, that's where cruelty comes from is when when you don't have access to that place of you that is untouchable and unmovable and whole always. Yeah. That's when we get sick, you know? Well, and, in and all also, the ways you can get sick. And also looking at it in a way of, like... Because you can intellectually understand that. And then you can think that you you feel and embody that. And then you settle in for a few days of meditation. And then... It kind of all falls apart. <laughs> doesn't kind of all it all falls apart 
And then you have to be okay with that. Which is sometimes harder to do. And then try not to sort of recoil when you enter back in to the life that you put on hold for a week. Which a week seems like fucking five goddamn years <laughs> when you come back. But everyone else has just been going along there fucking... And you're in this ripe opportunity right now. Yeah. This liminal period of returning where you're still porous is when, in my mind, in my experiences of going away, yeah. either, you know, to the loony bin or to rehab or yeah. when I went to artist retreats, I've, I've had a lot of opportunities to yeah. go away. And the coming back period is so fertile because you still have one foot in each world and you yeah. still have an opportunity before you go flying back into the grooves of your life to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try this little change. Yeah. I'm going to make this decision about this thing. And I don't say that to pressure you into doing more, but to try to milk. Well, I think it's actually, just show me what I need to focus on, what I want so. Um, and it's also you know in many ways just uh, you know there was a after you left after the ballet when you went home I was saying to Patrick over dinner like I don't know maybe I'll just quit and do something else entirely like maybe I just I'm, I'm done and I, I that's just not true like I may go get I don't know who knows maybe I may go get a job nine to five job but it it would not mean me stopping studying and teaching what I teach, it would just take another form because I sort of stumbled into this and And now you're in the middle of contractions. Yeah. And as a friend that sits on the outside, I sit here in complete, like, shoulder-shirking confidence that whatever transition you make or you're making, that it's going to be completely fine. Yeah. But knowing as someone that sat in that seat that it means nothing, like, I can hand that to you over and over again, like, you're fucking golden. Yeah. Any, Any... you know, because it's, it's just shit you've got to do on your... Yeah. I'm really glad you went. Yeah. We have sure. to make sure we have to put up some links. Yeah. Um, for more contacts for folks that are yeah. curious about um, something that means as much to you as it does. And I think 
a lot of people in your life are curious about it, but don't necessarily yeah. know. You know, like I, I know I can hop into a class with you, you know, and, and hear you talk about yoga, but people don't yeah. have access to your thoughts about this other very large part of your life. Yeah. So. Which, to be clear, I can. That's yoga. It's all. I mean, I don't want to say that in a flippant way. I want to say that in like what I was doing for a week, even when I was not practicing asana. Was your yoga? Was is yoga? It's not like I like put the practice aside for a different practice. No, I was practicing yoga. It was yoga in a different t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. So people just want to know more about that t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I think that's my client. We just ring the doorbell. Okay. Um, so. We'll. We've got lots to cover next week. Two words of the day for you next week. Yes. Um, send us thoughts, questions, comments, um, and like us, follow us, all of that good stuff. Uh, Take good care. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.